All right, we're going to get a lot of reading here tonight with Ezekiel's description of the temple. As we go through the description, we'll be going through chapter 40, 41, and 42. And it's a lot of description. So what I want to try and do is give us a picture of it. And so while we're going through the description, we're going to put a uh, picture up on the screen that we can point at and show you each of the sections wherever it, uh, that he's describing so you can see it as you hear the description. At the end of this, we're going to give you a visual, a virtual tour of the temple as uh, one person put it together. So I think that was about six minutes. I believe it's, I looked at several of them. This is the one I picked. I'm pretty sure this one is silent except for some music, but there's some uh, captions that you can read and it tells you what's being measured and um, so forth. But it did a nice job in that it, it showed you here's how uh, this is one cubit, this is two cubits, and it shows you them being measured and uh, you're entering in through all the different gates. So it'll give you a, a nice visual picture. So those that are on Facebook, we have these things popping up for you. At 740, you're going to see a group of, of pictures that are going to come up. And we're actually going to hit the one that's going to hit you at 745 first. But we'll be in that one for a long enough time that uh, uh, you'll, you'll surely be able to see it. Daryl is, of course, going to try and get it in the view of the screen. But just in case it didn't, we want to make sure that you folks at home had that. Then in the uh, at 7.50, there's going to be a link to a YouTube video that we're going to show here, which is the virtual tour. It may be easier for you at home to just click on that link and watch it. But if you have two devices, it is better off if you get one device to view the links that we send you and one device to keep the Facebook feed open. Uh, so if you have a phone, you might want to use that for the viewing the pictures and the, and the links and keep your tablet or your computer on for the Facebook feed itself. So hopefully that will help you out. For those that are here, we have outlines out in the, in the front. And let's, let's begin here. Now this is uh, his description of the temple and the holy city. We probably won't know until this thing unfolds whether we're, we're not likely to be here, but just in case we are here. It could be that there is, and I think it's this way, that there's a holy city and a temple. Some people would look at this as the temple being the holy city. Uh, the temple that Ezekiel describes is a mile square. Most cities are bigger than that, but eh, it, it could be that way. In Ezekiel 48.35, all the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there, or Jehovah Shammah. So this is the name of the city. It's not the New Jerusalem, according to the name that he gives it. And it does not seem to be the New Jerusalem, and we're going to go through some comparisons of the description of the New Jerusalem and this particular temple. Because if you want to see some uh, division going on in the body of Christ, there are some people that look at this as the Millennial Temple. This is not anything that's going to be going through the Tribulation. Other people say there's no way that this could be. There's, they're two different. So there's lots of uh, varying opinions on this. So let's begin here at Ezekiel 40 and verse 1. Let's look at the five verses we looked at last time again. In the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, on the 14th year after the city was captured, on that very same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he took me there. In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel. And set me on a very high mountain on it toward the south with something like a structure of a city. And he took me there and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like that of the appearance of bronze. And he had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand. And he stood in the gateway and the man said to me, son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and fix your mind on everything I show you. For you were brought here so that I might show them to you. Declare to the house of Israel everything you see. Now there was a wall all around the outside of the temple, and the man's hand was a measuring rod six cubits long. 
each being a cubit and a handbreadth, and he measured the width of the wall structure, one rod, and the height, one rod. So he was brought here to this place. He was first set on a very high mountain and given an aerial view. And were you able to put that picture up on that first picture, the overview? If we throw this up, this is uh, the one we put on Facebook announcing the thing tonight. If you looked at this from an aerial view, this is about what you would see. Uh, if you were up, up a high mountain, of course, that would be a, probably a smaller uh, bit because it is only a mile by a mile. But that's the type of structure that you would see. It's very, uh, very likely, in my viewpoint anyway, that there is a city associated with this and that this is the temple of that particular city. But just understand the other could be true too. This could be the city itself that he is seeing and he is brought to the, this place. But it seems that he is brought to the city and then to the temple. But um, I can't say that that's absolutely the way that it is. It could be could certainly be either way. So let's work at verse 6 and pick up there. It uh, looks like our uh, our other picture won't be coming up for a, a little bit just yet, but we'll be able to get it into the camera so that you can see this. First off, he starts with the eastern gate. So if you can bring up our first picture. I'm sorry, that's the first picture, the, the overview picture that we have. And we have three gates in this particular city, the eastern gate, the northern gate, and the southern gate. There is no western gate. There is a building on the western side. So this is the, this is the eastern gate, this is the northern gate, this is the southern gate. No gate over here. That is where the building is or the temple is. Uh, if you look at, uh, I, I notice that a couple of depictions that they put on this, if you look at the overall view of this, and you can't see it as well with this one, but some other ones you can. They said it's the picture of a man. And the two of the buildings formed the hands, one building formed the head, uh, two other buildings formed the legs. I don't see it at all in this depiction, but I have seen it in some other ones that it was there. Uh, whether it's there or not, whether it's intended to be there or not, makes no real difference with, with that. But we're going in here through the eastern gate. So he went to the gateway which faced east and he went up its stairs and measured the threshold of the, gate, of the gateway which was one rod wide and the other threshold one rod wide. So this is the gate that we are coming in, this eastern gate. Each gate chamber was one rod long, one rod wide. Between the gate chambers was a space of five cubits and the threshold of the gate by the vestibule of the inside gate was one rod. Just take this in. Don't try and, and figure it all out. This is really a lot of detail. This is what loses people when they start reading through this. And, uh, I can't get the picture. That's why I wanted to get all these, these uh, photos here for you so that you can see them. You can get a visual image. So just listen to the words. You can't really study the Ezekiel without reading the Bible. So we are going to go through all the text and what he did, and then we'll show you what people put together with his People that are architects. I am not an architect. But people that are architects are the ones who put a lot of these things together. They have that kind of a mind that can hear that and put all this together. So we let them do those kind of things that they have been gifted for. Verse 8, he also measured the vestibule of the inside gate, one rod. And then he measured the vestibule of the gateway, eight cubits, and the gate post, two cubits. The vestibule of the gate was on the inside. In the eastern gateway were three gate chambers on the one side and three on the other. The three were all the same size. Also, the gate posts were the same size on this side and that side. He measured the width of the entrance to the gateway, 10 cubits, and the length of the gate, 13 cubits. There was a space in front of the gate chambers, one cubit on this side and one cubit on that side. The gate chambers were six cubits on this side and six cubits on that side. Then he measured the gateway for the roof of one of the gate chambers to the roof to the, of the other. The width was 25 cubits as the door face, as door faces door. He measured the gate post 60 cubits high and the court all around and the gateway extended to the gate post. From the front of the entrance gate to the front of the vestibule of the inner gate was 50 cubits. There were beveled window frames in the, in the gate chambers and in their intervening archways. When you see the virtual tour of this, it's very interesting the way they, they pictured these. When I read this, I didn't necessarily picture it in the same way, but I said, oh, that, that could very well be what he means here. 
what he's describing. That there were beveled window frames in the gate chambers and in their intervening archways on the inside of the gateway all around. And likewise, in the vestibules, there were windows all around on the inside and each gate post were palm trees. Now, when we go through the virtual tour, you're going to see how these palm trees are, are plastered all over. There are palm trees everywhere. So, let's go back to our picture. So, we came in here through the, east, the eastern gate. We're now going to be in the outer court, which is this area over here, labeled, of course, outer court. Then he brought me into the outer court, and there were chambers and a pavement made all around the court. Thirty chambers faced the pavement. The pavement was by the side of the gateways corresponding to the length of the gateways. This was the lower pavement. So basically they're saying it's square. Then he measured the width from the front of the lower gateway to the front of the inner court exterior, 100 cubits toward the east and toward the north. So whichever way we're going here, He's talking about 100 cubits. Now we have the northern gate, which is the one that's right up over there. On the outer court was also a gateway facing north, and he measured its length and its width. Its gate chambers, three on this side and three on that side. Its gate posts and its archways had the same measurements as the first gate. Its length was 50 cubits and its width 25 cubits. Now, if you're watching on Facebook, some of the pictures have uh, become available to you. If you look at some of those, you'll get an idea of what we're seeing here. Uh, hopefully, you can, you can see where we're pointing out. But that picture will show up for you in just about three minutes. Now, its windows and those of its archways and also its palm trees had the same measurements as the gateway facing east. It was ascending by seven steps and its archway was in the front of it. A gate of the inner court was opposite the northern gateway, just as the eastern gateway, and he measured from gateway to gateway 100 cubits. So, we're basically the same here in the northern gateway as we are on the eastern gateway. But he wanted to go through all the measurements so that we would, uh, we would understand. Now this is an Ezekiel doing this. Ezekiel's just following the guy who's making all the measurements. And he decided that these were important to understand. After that, he brought me toward the south, and there was a, there a gateway was facing south, and he measured its gateposts and archways according to the same measurements. There were windows in it, and in its archways all around, like those windows, its length was 50 cubits, and its width 25 cubits. Seven steps led up to it, and its archway was in front of them, and it had palm trees on its gateposts, on the, one on this side, and one on that side. There was also a gateway on the inner court facing south, and he measured from gateway to gateway toward the south, 100 cubits. So this is the southern gate down over in here, and this is why you can see in here that they look exactly the same because they are described exactly the same. Now, if you're looking at three gateways that are here, the inner court area that is, that is uh, pictured, if you're looking at exact descriptions and measurements, what do you think the purpose of the man who brought Ezekiel there, what do you think his purpose is in giving all these measurements? It's probably so that somebody can put it together like this. Either draw it out, or when it comes time to build it, these may be the plans that they follow. Now, we don't know if the plans are given here so that they follow them and make it that way, or they made up their own plans, and Ezekiel is just there seeing it and is doing the measuring of it and, um, and coming up with it. It doesn't seem like the other temple, the, I'm sorry, the tabernacle that Moses had, God gave him the measurements. God gave him the plan, and he saw the original one. We don't have that here. What we're having is a, is a structure on earth in which someone goes out and measures it. And then we write it down. It seems to be just the opposite. That this is God's plan. Here it is. Now build it. So I don't know that I would say that this is God's plan. Go build it. I would probably, if I'm going to say it's one way or the other, I am probably going to think that this was what man built. God went there to check it out. 
and measured it. I, I kind of come to that conclusion from some of the other things that had gone on with it. But uh, again, it could be could be different. So we got the southern gate out of the way. Now we have gates in the inner court. So these are these three gates here. Look very similar to these ones over here. So you can pretty much be assured that the measurements are going to be <laughs> pretty much the same. It's, it makes... Every time I see these uh, these drawings, and they're all the same that I've seen anyway, you're, you're thinking, all right, it looks like I could jump right over that wall. Why am I going to go through this big, huge, humongous gate? And why do we have this big, huge gate and then these little tiny walls? It almost looks like you can pass right through there, but remember he said there's a wall around it. So there is a wall. It does not seem to be a wall that you can just jump over. It's not super high compared to the gates, but probably not something that most people would be able to jump over anyway. So you have to enter in through the gates. So the outer court has the three gates in the north, the south, and the east. The inner court also has three gates. You can see, pictured right there, that there is a wall between these gates. And... They want you to enter in through these particular gates when you get to the, to get to the altar. Let's go in verse 28. Then he brought me to the inner court through the southern gateway. So this is how we're going. Remember, he came in through here. Then he went over here to the north, checked out that gate, came in here to the south, checked out that gate. Now we're going into the inner, the inner one where we're going in through the south gate, gateway. So at least he doesn't have to go all the way back on around. He's, uh, just gonna be, be right there. He measured the southern gateway according to these same measurements. So that's why they built them the same. He said the same measurements. So that's why this one looks exactly like this one, which looks exactly like this one, and all the way around. Also, its gate chambers and its gate posts and its archways were according to these same measurements. There were windows in it, and in its archways all around, it was 50 cubits long and 25 cubits wide. There were archways all around, 25 cubits long and 5 cubits wide. Each archways faced the outer court. Palm trees were on its gate post. And going up to it were eight steps. When it talks about the post, we're talking about these big things that are rising up here. That's the post. Verse 31, its archways faced the outer court. Palm trees were on its gate post. And going up to it were eight steps. And he brought me into the inner court facing east. He measured the gateway according to these same measurements. Also, its gate chambers, its gate post, and its archways were according to the same were, uh, same measurements. If you're watching on Facebook, the picture we are looking at here is available to you. It is posted up there. Probably posted about three minutes ago. Verse 33. Also, its gate chambers, its gate post, and its archways were according to the same measurements. And there were windows in it. And in its archways all around, it was 50 cubits long and 25 cubits wide. Its archways faced the outer court and palm trees were on it. Gate posts on this side and on that side and going up to it were eight steps. Then he brought me to the north gateway and measured it according to the same measurements. Also its gate chambers, its gate posts and its archways. It had windows all around. Its length was 50 cubits and its width 25 cubits. Its gate posts faced the outer court. Palm trees were on its gate posts on the this side and on that side and going up to it were eight steps. These things are repeated for each of these gateways. You could just do a shortcut and say all three were exactly the same. But we don't do that. It's important for, in, for this prophecy that each one is described. There are some things that said it's the same as the others, but then we still go on through about the palm trees. We still go on through about the heights and, the, and so forth. So he wants people to know this is what it looks like. This is um, this is this is how it how it well basically how it looks. Verse thirty eight. There was a chamber in its entrance by the gatepost of the gateway where they washed the burnt offerings. In the vestibule of the gateway were two tables on this side and two tables on that side. You cannot see this row well here. Don't worry about it. When we go through the virtual tour, you will see these tables. And you will be able to picture where they are. Uh, but basically, what the virtual tour is going to do, it's going to take these gates 
and it's going to lift them up. And right on the inside by the steps, you're going to see two tables. And then on the uh, bottom of the steps, you're going to see the two tables. So in the vestibule, the gateway were two tables on this side and two tables on that side on which to slay the burnt offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering. At the outer side of the vestibule, as one goes up to the entrance of the northern gate, were two tables. And on the other side of the vestibule, the gateway were two tables. Four tables were on this side and four tables on that side. By the side of the gateway, eight tables on which they slaughtered the sacrifices. There were also four tables of hewn stone for the burnt offering, one cubit and a half long, one cubit and a half wide, and one cubit high. On these laid the instruments with which they slaughtered the burnt offering and the sacrifice. Inside were hooks a handbreadth wide, fastened all around, and the flesh of the sacrifices was on the table. I want you to notice something about verse 42. It's the first time we've seen this, and we don't see this very much in the description. There were four tables of hewn stone for the burnt offering, one cubit and a half long. In all the description we have so far, when has he ever used a half a cubit? He has not. Everything has been a full cubit. It's either one cubit, two cubits, three cubits, five cubits, 25, whatever number it is, it's always a round cubit, except when we come to this one. So that always gets me to ask, why in the world are, do we suddenly have half cubits? So the, the fact that we don't have half cubits up until now tells me this. About the, about the coming temple. They are not concerned about the space that is available. If you are concerned about the space that is available, you measure things in, in our language, we measure things in feet and inches. If we are not concerned about the space available, then we can go to yards and, and bigger type of measurements than, than that. That's how we would do it. I think the reason that we are going to a half a cubit in this one is not because the space suddenly matters. It's simply for convenience. If it was one cubit, maybe it would be too short. If it was two cubits, maybe the table would be too high. We want that to be just at the right height for what we wanted to accomplish. And so the best way to do that is to do one and a half cubits in order to get there. That's my, my take on it because it's, it's just odd the way it pops up here. So these tables, I guess to bring them to the, to the proper height for what they want to, to do there, they can um, utilize a half, a half a cubit. Now inside were hooks, a handbreadth wide, fastened all around, and the flesh of the f- sacrifices was on the table. was on the tables. This verse puzzles me a little bit. The flesh of the sacrifices was on the table. That means they're there. Why is it we still don't see people? Why don't we see priests? We just see the sacrifices. So the temple's obviously being used, the sacrifices are on the table. But we don't see people. Verse 44, Outside the inner gate were the chambers for the singers of the in the inner court, one facing south, the south of the northern gateway and the other facing north at the side of the southern gateway. So this is where the, the chambers for the singers and the priests, they had chambers here. Uh, it would seem to be either a, a, a place where they lived, uh, living chambers, or places where they changed, or places where they made preparations to get what was uh, needed ready. But outside the inner gate were the chambers for the singers, in the inner court. So this is the, the inner court. There are chambers, and I believe that they would be over in this area for the singers and the priests to be to be made ready. There's also these areas over here. I don't think he's described them just yet. Then he said to me, This chamber which faces south is for the priests who have charge of the temple. So this is the one that faces south. There's also chambers that are over here. These are the northern chambers. These are for the, the Levites and the priests. And these are for the uh, descendants of uh, Zadok. Now, it's not, it's not um, getting, we're not getting into this yet. We will get into this in the, probably next week. We talk about this. The priests that are there to take care of the sacrifices are only the descendants of Zadok. Zadok, of course, was the high priest. 
He was one who remained faithful to David. Uh, his descendants are the only priests that handle the sacrifice. These ones over here are for the Levite priests that are not descendants of Zadok. And they are not allowed to be particip- participating in the sacrifices. They have care of the other aspects of the temple. So we actually separate them here. And they're in the northern chambers. These guys are in the southern chambers. We'll talk more about them when we get to the to that particular place. Let's see, what verse do we leave off of? Verse 45, I guess. Then he said to me, This chamber which faces south is for the priest who have charge of the temple. The chamber which faces north is for the priest who have charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok from the sons of Levi who come near the Lord to minister to him. Verse 47, And he measured the court 100 cubits long and 100 cubits wide, four square. The altar was in front of the temple. Right there is the altar. If, uh, it's actually painted a, a bit red. In most depictions, this one, it's not quite as red as it is in some others. But that is where the altar is, right in the center of the inner court. And he brought me to the vestibule of the temple and measured the doorpost of the vestibule five cubits on this side, five cubits on that side, and the width of the gateway was three cubits on this side and three cubits on that side. The length of the vestibule was 20 cubits and the width 11 cubits by the steps which led up to it were pillars by the doorpost, one on this side and the other on that side. Chapter 41, Then he brought me into the sanctuary and measured the doorpost six cubits. So we're going into the sanctuary area and that's not labeled on there but that would be I believe over into that spot that's our progress anyway and he brought me into the sanctuary measured the doorpost six cubits wide on one side six cubits wide on the other side the width of the tabernacle the width of the entry was ten cubits and the side walls of the entrance were five cubits on this side and five cubits on that on the other side and he measured its length forty cubits and its width twenty cubits also, he went inside and measured the doorpost two cubits and the entrance six cubits high and the width of the entrance seven cubits. He measured the length 20 cubits and the width 20 cubits. Beyond the sanctuary, he said to me, this is the most holy place. So that length is 20 by 20 on the cubit side. That is beyond the sanctuary. The sanctuary is bigger just like it is in the temple and just like it was in the sanctuary, uh, the, uh, in Moses' tabernacle. Verse 5, next he measured the wall of the temple, six cubits. The width of each side chamber all around the temple was four cubits on every side. The side chambers were in three stories, one above the chamber, 30 chambers in each story. They rested on ledges and they were for the side chambers all around that they might be supported, but not fastened to the wall of the temple. As one went from one story to story, the side chambers became wider all around because their supporting ledges in the wall of the temple ascended like steps. Therefore, the width of the structure increased as one went up from the lowest story to the highest by way of the middle one. Um, well, I don't really see a place I can show you where that is depicted on there. I think the, the, vis- the virtual tour will show us more. Verse 8, I also saw an elevation all around the temple. It was the foundation of the side chambers, a full rod. That is six cubits high. The thickness of the outer wall of the side chambers was five cubits. So also the remaining terrace by the place of the side chambers of the temple. And between it and the wall chambers was the width of 20 cubits all around the temple on every side. The doors of the side chambers opened on the terrace, one door toward the north, one toward the south. And the width of the terrace was five cubits all around. Nothing opens to the west. Then there's a building. The building that faced the separating courtyard at its western end was seven cub- 70 cubits wide and the wall of the building was five cubits thick all around and its length 90 cubits. In the temple area here in verse 13, so he measured the temple 100 cubits long and separating courtyard with the building and its walls was 100 cubits long. Also the width of the eastern face of the temple including the separating courtyard was 100 cubits. Now there's reason for why we're reading all this scripture not just because we're studying Ezekiel and we need to read what the Bible says, but as you go through this virtual tour, you're going to be seeing a lot of these phrases plastered in because, oh, yeah, I remember, remember that, and then you're going to get the, the actual visual. So it would help us. He measured the length, verse 15, 
of the building behind it facing the separating courtyard with its galleries on one side on the other side 100 cubits as well as the inner temple and the porches of the court their doorposts and beveled window frames there's that term beveled window frame again and the galleries all around there are three stories opposite the threshold were paneled with wood from the ground to the windows the windows were covered from space above the door even to the inner room as well as outside on every wall, all around, inside, outside by measure. And it was made with cherubim and palm trees, a palm tree between the cherubim and cherub. I'm sorry, cherub and cherub. Each cherub had two faces, so that the face of a man was toward the palm tree on one side and the face of a young lion toward the palm tree on the other side. Thus it was made throughout the temple all around. From the floor to the space above the door and on the wall of the sanctuary cherubim, and palm trees were carved. The doorposts of the temple were square, as was the front of the sanctuary. Their appearance was similar. The altar was of wood, three cubits high, and its length two cubits. Its corners, its length, and its sides were of wood. And he said to me, This is the table that is before the Lord. The temple and the sanctuary had two doors. The doors had two panels apiece, two folding doors. I'm sorry, two folding panels. Two panels for one door, two panels for the other door. Cherubim, palm trees were carved on the doors of the temple just as they were carved on the walls. A wood canopy was on the front of the vestibule outside. And there were beveled window frames, palm trees on the uh, one side, on the other side, the sides of the vestibule, also the sides of the chambers of the temple, on the canopies. Now, let's take a break before we go into verse 42. Pull up our first picture that we uh, have in that grouping. This is Solomon's temple. This is the temple that Solomon built. This is Herod's temple. Zerubbabel's temple is about the same size as Solomon's temple. Can he made it in the same footprint as Solomon's temple? Herod's temple is taking Zerubbabel's temple and expanding it. So you can see the massive expanse that Herod did to the temple that was originally there because that would have been the size of Zerubbabel's temple over in here and he made it into this big massive thing that's there. So this is the size of Herod's temple. This is the size of Solomon's temple. This is the woman's courtyard out here. This is the uh, called the holy place. Holy of Holies. We'll be back over in here. This will be the sanctuary, the altar, so forth. I'll go on to picture number two. So this is the second temple. This is that big, huge one we saw with Herod. This is Ezekiel's temple. So while you're hearing all these, these things with cubits, I want you to get an idea of what the size is. You can fit two of these right in there. And how many of Solomon's temples could you fit in here? At least two, probably like two and a half. You could probably fit for that whole, if you take the whole area, not just, if you took the temple, you'd be looking at multiple ones. Uh, go into the next picture. Here we have them all together. This is an American football field. Give you an idea of size. This is Solomon's temple. This is how big that would be. Not as big as a football field. This is Herod's temple. Bigger than a football field. And this is Ezekiel's temple. So take that football field, put it right there. That's how big his, his temple is. Go on over to our next, next picture. I wanted to see if there's, yes, this one has the tabernacle. Moses' tabernacle is this size. Solomon's temple is this by this size. Can you imagine the upgrade Solomon was thinking that we just did? We took this little tiny thing over here and we made it into this big old thing over here. And then Herod made it into this big old thing over here. And then Ezekiel is saying, this is what's coming. This big old thing right over here. Go on to our next one. Can I give you two of those, that same one? Yeah, I thought we had that in the one before. Okay. Now all those that you... Oh, there was one more. There was the, the one they called the three temples. 
this is the time frame of the three temples. So this, uh, the first temple, Solomon's temple, went from 957 B.C. to about 587 B.C. So that's uh, roughly uh, 400 years. The second one, Zerubbabel's, went from 520 B.C. to 19 B.C. So a little bit longer. Herod's temple went from 19 B.C. to 70 A.D. Less than all 90 years. 89, actually. 89, 90, something like that. Um, didn't last that long at all. Then, of course, that went away. And then Ezekiel's temple will, will pop up. So that gives you a size comparison. You can see how much bigger Ezekiel's temple is compared to all the other things that are going on. Let's uh, finish off here in chapter 42. Then he brought me out into the outer court by way of the north, and he brought me into the chamber which was opposite the separating courtyard, which was opposite the build, building toward the north, facing the length, which was 100 cubits. The width was 50 cubits, was the north door. Opposite the inner court of 20 cubits, and opposite the pavement of the outer court was gallery against gallery in three stories. In front of the chambers, toward the inside, was a walk 10 cubits wide at a distance of one cubit, and the doors faced north. Now the upper chambers were shorter because the galleries took away space from them more than from the lower and middle stories of the building. For they were in three stories and did not have pillars like the pillars of the courts. Therefore the upper level was shortened more than the lower and middle levels were from the ground up. And all, and a wall which was outside ran parallel to the chambers at the front of the chambers toward the outer court. Its length was 50 cubits. The length of the chambers toward the outer court was 50 cubits whereas the facing whereas that facing the temple was 100 cubits. At the lower chambers was the entrance of the east side as one goes into them from the outer court. Also there were chambers in the thickness of the wall of the court toward the east, opposite the separating courtyard, opposite the building. There was a walk in front of them. Also in their appearance was like the chambers which were toward the north. They were also as long and as wide as the others. So again, we are the same. And all their exits and entrances were according to plan. And corresponding to the doors of the chambers that were facing south as one enters them, there was a door in front of the walk and the way directly in front of the wall toward the east. Then he said to me, The northern chambers and the southern chambers, which are opposite in the separating courtyard, are the holy chambers where the priest who approach the Lord shall eat the most holy offerings. So the northern chambers and the southern chambers, which are opposite the separating courtyard, this, uh, these are the holy chambers. Let's put our map back up, our first uh, picture back up. So we're looking at the, the northern chambers and the southern chambers, which are opposite in the surrounding courtyard, separating courtyard, are the holy chambers where the priests who approach. So the chambers would be opposite. Apparently not on the east, the east side. There they shall lay the most holy offerings, the grain offerings, the sin offerings, and the trespass offering, for the place is holy. When the priests enter them, they shall not go out of the holy chamber into the outer court, but they shall leave their garments in which they minister, for they are holy. And they shall put on other garments, that they may approach that which is for the people. Now when he had finished measuring the inner temple, he brought me out through the gateway that faces toward the east and measured it all around, and measured the east side with the measuring rod, 500, rod, uh, 500 rods by the measuring rod all around. He measured the north side 500 rods by the measuring rod all around. He measured the south side 500 rods by the measuring rod. He came around to the west side and measured 500 rods by the measuring rod and he measured it on the four sides. It had a wall all around 500 cubits long and 500 cubits, um, so 500 wide to separate the holy areas from the communion. So it's not enough just to say they were all the same. We had to go through and we had to measure each one. None of them were off. None of them were 500 and a quarter. They were 500. They were, they were even. So this is the size of it. Uh, again, you can see, pull up, uh, one of those latter ones that we, that we had done, um, I think either four. Pull up four. That'll probably be sufficient for us. Yeah, that'll work. Now you can see the pattern here of the tabernacle where the Holy of Holies and then the, the sanctuary. And that pattern holds here for Solomon's temple. That pattern holds for Herod's temple. And that pattern holds for Ezekiel's temple. So they're all going to the Word to get the same pattern and to build off of that. Uh, each one tries to add some things to it. Solomon's temple, how much 
description was given for the gold that was used. There was bronze, there was gold, gold all over Solomon's temple. When Zerubbabel built it, there was some gold because the king had sent some gold, but not as much as Solomon had prepared and David had prepared for it. So this was the most spectacular looking one. This is the one that had gold all over. This one had some gold. Then Herod took over and then he put a lot more um, flamboyant stuff on it. Make, it. make it really. He wanted it to look good. When we get into Ezekiel's temple, we've read three chapters of the description. How much gold have we described? There doesn't seem to be anything making this into a precious building like Solomon had done to the to the first temple or even Herod had done in uh, recreating that one. It would seem that this particular temple, though it is big and it is massive and it is impressive to look at, it is put together pretty quickly. And we do not try and put any kind of uh, intricate or valuable things in the temple to necessarily make it a target. It's just very glaring the way we have the descriptions of Solomon's temple, how much is spent, how many talents of gold, how many talents of silver, how much bronze was used over in here, how much cedar wood was used, and how much all the, the different precious things that were used all through the building. And this one, we don't have any description of any of those precious things. We're just measuring how, how big everything is. So they definitely went for size. Now, for those folks... Who, who write about this temple being the New Jerusalem. This is why we would have a problem with it. And so I gave you this chart, and we'll read some of these scriptures here. This is, uh, as we said, it's called Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is, is here. And the New Jerusalem is something different. In Revelations 21.2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This was made up in heaven. In Ezekiel 40, in verse 2, In the visions of God, He took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain on it toward the south with something like the structure of a city. So what he's seen is already on the earth. What John is seeing is descended from heaven down to the earth. In verse 3 and 4 of Revelation, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So when the new Jerusalem arrives, there will be no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. When... Ezekiel's temple is here. Isaiah 65.20 prophesies, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. So there's still death in the, associated with this one. In Ezekiel 44.25, They shall not defile themselves by coming near a dead person, only for father or mother, for son or daughter, for brother or unmarried sister, may they defile themselves. So, here in Ezekiel's prophecy about this temple, there are still dead people, and he tells you what to do when you encounter the dead people. But we don't have that with the New Jerusalem. In Revelation 21, verse 12, I'm going to read 12 and 13. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. But Ezekiel's temple doesn't have gates on the west. It has one gate on the east and one gate on the south and one gate on the north. In Ezekiel 48.30, these are the exits of the city on the north side measuring four thousand five hundred cubits, the gates of the city shall be named after the tribes of Israel. The three gates northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, and one gate of Levi. On the east side, four thousand five hundred cubits. Three gates, one for Jotham, one for Benjamin, one one gate for Dan. Um, and these are 
these are talking about the gates of the city. This is the city that is associated with the uh, with the temple. But the temple itself has no gates on either side. His description was very clear on that one. This is uh, talking about the city. Now, when we get to that part, we'll, we'll compare Revelations 21 and Ezekiel 48 more when we get up to that spot. In Revelations 21.14, we continue to read here, Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. When we read the description of Ezekiel's temple, how many foundations did it have? We didn't read any, did we? There were no foundations in the description of Ezekiel's temple. There are twelve foundations on the New Jerusalem when it comes down. Now here's a big one, verse 16. 15, I'm going to read 15 too so we don't just skip stuff. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. Verse 16, the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. 12,000 furloughs in its length, breadth and height are equal. 12,000 furloughs equals about 1,400 miles square. 1,400 miles square. Tall, wide, long. It, I, I'm pretty sure that whoever was uh, the creator of the Borg in the Star Trek movie read this. Because that's about what they made. In Ezekiel, we find out that the city associated with the temple there is um, one mile square. Now, the temple itself is also one mile square. So again, I can't tell you for sure that the city is not the temple or that the city is, is, is different. But if the city is different, it isn't uh, much bigger. But it's not 1,400, 1,400 miles square. In Revelations 21, 22, But I saw no temple in it, the new Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. I saw no temple in it, the new Jerusalem. And yet how much time did Ezekiel spend describing the temple? So, with Ezekiel, he's... As I, as I said, I think there's a city and a temple. Some people think they're both the same, and they can be. But they are not the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is what's coming down from heaven for that particular time. Ezekiel's would be before that. There is no way you build the Ezekiel temple after the New Jerusalem arrives. This is before. So this is the temple they build for what will basically be the tribulation period. Because once he comes and sets up his millennial reign, Ezekiel's temple will be, will be gone. Alright. I think we've read enough. Oh no, there's one, one more verse of scripture I want you to see. That's Revelation 21, 27. But there shall no means, by no means enter in it. Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The New Jerusalem will only have those that are redeemed. But that's not the case with Ezekiel. And I gave you a couple of references there that you can see that. That they had to make sacrifices because some people are sinning and are missing it. You can go back and, and read those if you want to. Alright, can we pull up our virtual tour? Preferably, yes. If you are watching on Facebook, you should have the link there. You can either just click that link or watch it in, in here if you like. That's the east gate. That's where he's he came in at first. There's your steps.
your palm trees. These are the guard chambers. Not bothering to read all the words. If you're on Facebook, you can view it and read it. See all the palm trees? They're just all over the place. Bruce and Phyllis will feel right at home. All just the gates. Remember those windows? Beveled windows? paved. This is the inner courtyard, but you have to come in through the gate to get into here. There were steps to get up into this level. There are steps to get up into this level. stories, three stories, three stories. Does that give you a better picture? 
thought it was very, very nice the way they laid it all out. Showed you the, the measurements as they gave them. Now, we said Solomon's was the smallest of the temples. The um, Moses tabernacle was smaller yet. Zerubbabel's was about the same size as Solomon's, and then Herod came along, he expanded it and made it much bigger. What is interesting to note is that Herod also constructed up to three pagan temples. He didn't just construct the Jewish temple. He was Jewish. But he also constructed three pagan temples. Um, Josephus attributed these to him. It was thought that maybe he was wrong because they couldn't find some things. But if you will see, I gave you a YouTube thing. You can go out there and uh, view it on your own if you would like to. I don't know if that, um, for those of you folks who downloaded the PDF, if that will actually become as a hot link to take you right to it. But uh, it won't be too much to have to type in if you want to type that in and go out there and see it. If you have any trouble with it, let me know. I can text it to you, email it to you, so that you can you can get it. But these were some folks who went out to one of the sites of one of the temples, one of the latter temples that uh, we found out that Herod had a hand in building. Uh, so it's interesting, the guy who expanded the temple, tried to bring it into some glory, was also out there building temples for other gods. That kind of gives you an idea of who he is and why he could go out so quickly and try and kill the baby Jesus after building a temple to our holy God. He was uh, certainly trying to get into uh, the good graces of the Jewish people as well as Rome, which is probably why he built the, the pagan temples of that. Now, is this, this is what we put here at the end, is this a prophecy of, first off, what is coming? Is this just God saying, hey, this is what's coming? I'm not saying I want it. I'm not saying I have a hand in it. This is just what's coming. And just to get us ready for it. Just because God gives us a prophecy doesn't mean that it's something that he wanted to have done, even though it might be a temple or something of um, uh, spiritual nature. So is this a prophecy of what is coming? Is it a prophecy of what is needed? Is the temple needed in order for Satan to set up his image and to exalt himself against God and basically declare war against God? So is it just something that is needed? Satan will be defiling it, setting up his image, his image of the beast. Is it what the people want? It's just, just, just a prophecy of what the people want. Nothing to do with what God wants. Just what the people want. And the fourth one is, is this a prophecy of what God wants? I really doubt that. I don't see that there's any way that God wants this, desires this. He doesn't want the people going back into the uh, service of sacrifice because His Son that He sent is the sacrifice for sin and what they need to accept. Now next week we, we pick up 43 and 43 explains a lot of the purpose of this and then we start to talk about some of the uh, roles of the priests and uh, why he gets into some of these descriptions. It's uh, very interesting here. But this, these first couple of chapters, this just lays out what the buildings look like, what the Temple Mount or so forth looks looks like, and we'll get into some of the other aspects about this later on. But this is quite a spectacular temple. Uh, by my estimation, from what I can see in this, it's going to be erected quickly. It's going to be using probably all the modern technology they have to, to build these things. And even though they might be spectacular, we can still build things pretty fast. Uh, we're not going to see any of the care, any of the hewn stone, any of the marble, any of the other stuff that, uh, that goes on in all the other temples. This one just may just be pure concrete. They'll just pour the concrete or uh, just uh, build the wood and put whatever materials they want to on it. It will look nice, but again, this one's not going to last very long. This is going to be the shortest lived of all the temples. Uh, Herod's was the shortest lived up until then, but he almost got a hundred years. But this one won't make uh, more than probably seven. It's going to be an end times temple. 
That, um, just because we see prophecy does not mean that this is what God wants. And so that as we go through the rest of this prophecy, we have to keep that in mind. This, uh, this may not be what God wants, and the, the extra grand, grandeur that's there, the size, the, the impressiveness from how big everything looks, it seems to be just something that man has put together, not necessarily something that God has, has called for. Well, Father, I thank you for the wisdom that you give us in your word. That even though we see that man puts all this time and all this effort into making this very large temple, pouring the, the large foundation, building all the buildings, making things look very spectacular, it doesn't mean it's anything that you wanted. And certainly since we don't see that you protected it at all from the abomination that was set up, it would seem that your hand is not in this. But it still comes, and you let us know that it comes. And I thank you as we see the signs of these things coming about, that we know the time is near. In Jesus' name, amen. I am told that the foundation, the uh, remember I highlighted that area outside that it's all paved, that that paved area around this Ezekiel's temple can hold two million people comfortably. The temple itself is a mile square. The foundation for which, what it's on is bigger. And it actually makes, I've seen pictures of, uh, they show the, the foundation and then the, the temple, and it makes it look small. They really put some time into laying out a, a foundation and whatever they used for the, for the base of that whether they use stone or concrete or whatever it might be. Um, it is a very large base, and uh, I'm told it can hold two million people comfortably. Not crammed. That's a lot of people. 